0: well good morning how's everybody doing this is so uh, this is so uh, kind of surreal in a way but uh, but familiar in another way it's been a long time since I've shared a message uh, here at RLC or or anywhere <laughs> but uh, I'm just glad that uh, you know the Lord is faithful yes. and yeah. you know we know that uh, we We plan our way but the lord directs our steps you know and and nothing that i say matters all that matters is what the holy spirit says and what god says through his word because the word of god is the thing that brings transformation it's not anybody's opinion it's not anybody's ideas it's the word of god because the word of god is powerful and the word of god is alive so this morning i just pray that you would open your hearts we've already had awesome worship i mean i feel I feel like uh, I could just, I'm going to receive as I'm preaching this today, but uh, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would open your hearts to receive His Word, which will bring the transformation in your life. Amen. I just want to open in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for this awesome congregation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. Thank you, Lord, that you are the author of life. You are the author of salvation. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us, Lord, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of you. So today... Lord, we just ask you to speak to us, Lord. Uh, we ask you, Lord, that <clears throat> directly, Lord, look beyond the vessel that, and that you would just speak to us, Lord, personally, the things in, in this talk that you will uh, highlight to us, Lord, and help us to to receive it and then put it into practice in our lives. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You, you know, after service last week, I, <clears throat> I was just, you know, you mull around and you're talking to people and... And I was right over here, and I forget who it was, I, I apologize, you probably will remind me, but um, we were talking about Pastor Gabe, you know, how, and how sad we are, and so, you know, that he's, they're going to be leaving. And uh, I, said, yeah, I said, I love that guy, you know, I, I knew him before, but now I know him, and I've, I've reconnected, and there's a lot, you know, this love that, that I have for him, and I said, you know, to know him is to love him, you know, and that is so true, and we've heard that expression, you know, we... We, it's usually uh, used in describing someone that we love t- to someone that may not know them very well. So, and I got thinking about that. I mean, I was, I was already preparing this message about loving God. And then, and then when I said that last week, I said, you know, to know him is to love him. And I thought of God. And I said, if this is true for people, how much more can that be said of God? The more we know God, the more we will come to love him. And that really is, is our goal. God loves us so much. I mean, I looked at this this morning, this, this empty cross, and I, and I remember that Jesus died for our sins. He suffered and died on the cross, and, and he rose again for us and, and took upon himself all the punishment for our sins and our failures, past, present, and future. You know, he's got you covered for tomorrow, for the sins you commit tomorrow and the, the things that you do next year, they're all covered. By him, Because he loved us so much that he gave his only son. And the more that we get to know him, to know him. You know, he knows us and loves us. But as we get to know him, the more we will love him in return. He sent Jesus to pay the price for our redemption, to make it possible for us to have that love relationship with him by the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of funny because uh, I, I thought, well, God told us to love him. He commanded us to love him if, in the Old Testament, and then Jesus repeats it in the New Testament. And I thought, well, how can you command somebody to love you? And I, and I looked at that, and I, I thought to myself, well, God must have been pretty serious about this, you know, because when you command somebody to do something, you know, it means that you're serious. I mean, it wasn't a suggestion, like, like hey, you know, I want you to do this over here and, you know, when you get to it, if you feel like it, yeah, go ahead and do it. No, God says, I command you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. It was a commandment. I mean, it's like Jeremy was in the military and in the Marines and, and when his superior officer said, do that, it was, yes, sir. It was, he said, jump. He said, how high? <laughs> right, Jeremy? So, so this is a command. And it's not, it's not like a, a, a thing where God's being like a drill sergeant or a drill instructor and he's being mean. He just wanted to get across the point that this is his greatest desire, is that we would love him as much as he loves us. Now I know that's not possible uh, because we, we're limited in our, in our love, but It's a commandment, and so it shows his desire. And if we go over to Matthew chapter 22, that should be up there. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, "You, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the first, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now this was taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, this, uh, this, the scripture Jesus was quoting. He teaches that loving God is the greatest commandment found in scripture. And along with loving your neighbor as yourself which comes from Leviticus 19.18, if you're taking notes. These commands fulfill all other commands and guidelines found in Scripture. These are the big two. The big two commandments. And if and if, if what Jesus said is true, I mean, we believe Jesus, right? Amen? And he said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. If he said it, then essentially we could spend our entire lives just focusing on these two commandments. Because he said all the law and prophets hang on these two. So if we focused on just these two to, to, to study them, to learn about them, to obey them, then we would pretty much be fulfilling everything in the Bible, everything that Scripture teaches. These are the two things that, that Jesus said were the most important things. Now, if these are the most important commandments, it just makes sense that we give our utmost attention to them, Right? and working and excelling in these fundamental practices. These are the fundamentals here, loving God and loving people. And in, all, in those two things, all the commandments are, are wrapped up into those two things. So if we practice these fundamentals, and I, and I, thought, of media, I thought of sports. You know, in sports, you practice your fundamentals. I mean, I, 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 you've, if you've ever been to a t-ball game, how many of you? And you've, been, and you've seen the little kids out there in the field. Um, they, they get up there, and who knows what's going on? I don't know what's going on. I've seen videos. A little boy will get up there with a the bat, and they have to turn him the right way. And, and, he's, and he swings, and he hits the tee, and the ball drops about two feet. And they go, run, run, and they start running. And, but he runs the wrong direction, or he runs to the pitcher, or he goes up and gives somebody a hug. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely... It's complete chaos, but you watch it, and you're like, oh, how cute. But this is where we start. We start learning the fundamentals of the game uh, when we're born again. And then it's a continual process. It's, it's going from that to the next level, where as they learn which base to go to first, and, and that you hit the ball and not the tee, and, and that you, you kind of get a handle, a handle on it, then they progress, and they learn more and more and more. Then they learn how to hit better, to actually hit the ball. Then they learn how to hit the ball when somebody throws it to them. And it progresses from there. And their fundamentals are being built. It's the three things in baseball you gotta throw, you gotta catch, and you gotta hit. And they work on those three things for their whole lives. Until some, some people, if they have enough of a natural talent, will actually make it, they'll go through high school and play ball, they'll go through college, play ball, and <clears throat> some will get drafted into the major leagues. And then even there, there's minor leagues and there's major leagues, there's three different levels of minor leagues, they have to go through that and hone their skills and hone their skills. They hit more, they catch more, they field more, they learn how to be more accurate, they know how the game is played because they've, from that time they were four years old or five years old. They worked on those fundamentals. And so I look at these two commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself, as being fundamentals. We're going to focus today on on loving, the loving of God. We will get to the other one a little bit later in in the message, but for right now, I want to look at um, focusing on loving God. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, in the Amplified, it says, For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. That's how we start out. We start out, we get born again, and this is where we are as as spiritual infants. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by what? Practice to distinguish between what is morally good and evil. I mean, it's a lifelong process. We start being born again. We start learning. We start growing. We start growing in the fundamentals, and we get to that place where we become spiritually mature. But it takes practice, and it takes work, and it takes doing it again and again and again. Major League Baseball players are out there every day taking batting practice. You would think after all this time how good they are in the, multi, in the multi-million dollar contracts that these guys have signed that they would be good enough to not have to go back and practice. But they do it every day. They throw, they hit, and they catch. And they, and they do it every day so that they hone their skills and keep them sharp. So learning to love God is a lifelong process that requires effort and discipline. Oh, why did you have to bring that up? But just as a major league player works for the World Series trophy and ring, we also have a prize that we are pressing for. Now, Philippians chapter 3, it says, Paul is talking here, and he says, "...for what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed also count all things loss for the, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord." And then in verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Two different times in the scripture, he talks about the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the knowledge of God, that he would know him and the power of his resurrection. And then a couple verses later in verse 12, he says, not that I have already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things are behind, and pressing, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. There is, we have a prize. We have something that we're working for, and it's not a trophy, and, and it's not a ring, and it's not $25 million a year in, in, in a contract. It's something way, 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 way better than that. Amen? It is, it is this, this prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus Christ in our lives, to know him and, and the power of his resurrection. This is what will transform your lives it's not just it's it's not just surface knowledge it's knowing him deeply and personally. God wants us to know him this, in this intimate way. Amen. This is the greatest prize and aspiration we could have as Christians, but it's also a key to growing in our love for him as well. So many times we can as Christians serve the Lord just out of a sense of duty or obligation. You know, you get to that place and you're kind of like, you're serving in the church. You're, you're doing all the right things, and, and, but there's, there's just something that, that isn't there, you know? There's something missing. You know, serving the Lord and just being faithful and, and, and in the church and in your life and obeying the commandments, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's fine. But I believe God has a more excellent way to discover. So at slide six. I'll just, I've got them numbered here. This is John Piper. He's a, he's a Christian author and theologian. Um, and I've read, a, I've read some of his books and a lot of his uh, writings. And in his book, Desiring God, he says, knowledge about him will not do. Work for him will not do. We must have a personal, vital fellowship with him. Otherwise, Christianity becomes a joyless burden. I mean, sometimes, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but there's times when serving the Lord is just like, it's, it seems difficult and hard, and, and, and you're, you're missing out on the, the joy isn't there, and, and maybe once at one time you, you just joyfully served the Lord, but something happened along the way. You got sidetracked, and, and now it's, you're still doing the things that you know to do, but there's something missing. There's that joyful, um, that joyful heart to serve Him. God didn't intend for us to to serve him, and for it to be a joyless burden. He has always desired for us to love him willingly and joyfully out of a personal knowledge and a close relationship with him. So in this message, this is my introduction, (laughs) I want to explore the idea that loving God is much more than just a command to, to obey. It is a living way that is linked to an intimate knowledge of him. Which the Apostle Paul said, he, it was worth losing everything to gain it. How many want to gain all that God has for them in their lives? I mean, it's, uh, it's the prize. It's the goal. It's the thing that we should be shooting for. So, my first point is talking about the knowledge of God. And of course, we find out, we get the knowledge of God from his word. From the Bible. There's gonna be some basic stuff here this morning, but bear with me. It's no secret that the Bible reveals God to us and that everything He wants us to know about Him is contained in it. The scriptures don't not only tell the story of God's interactions with mankind, but they also reveal to us His will, His character, and His nature. Some of the things we learn from the Scriptures about the Lord is He's faithful. He is loving. In fact, he is love. He is merciful, long suffering. He's all knowing, all powerful, and everywhere at once. I didn't use the big words, Pastor Gabe. <laughs> I was using like big words. He said, Don't use big words. <laughs> he is absolute truth. He is holy. Wow, God is holy. And he is a just And righteous judge. And that's just, you know, that's just scratching the surface of all that God is. So so there's so much more to know about God, and we come to this knowledge by reading the Bible. How many would agree with that? I mean, this is where we find out about God. But how many know that it's one thing to know about someone? But it's a a whole other thing entirely to really know someone intimately and personally. I mean you all, many of you know my wife. She's sitting right there. But you know some things about her, some of you know more things than others, but none of none of you know her like I do. Because our relationship is personal and intimate. Thirty-five years of knowing her and loving her. And this is how you know this is how we get to know somebody. I mean, I know, I know about and I'm going to age myself here. I know about Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know about Rocky, you know, all the movies. And they, and they just keep coming. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to stop being Rocky until he's 95 years old. But I know about him. and I can read about him. I see him in the movies. But, you know, I don't know him. I don't know him personally and intimately. So our journey begins in our Christian walk. Our journey uh, towards intimately loving God begins with the all-important knowledge about Him. But as we continue to read, meditate on the Word of God, we will grow in relationship with Him and and begin to really know Him. Just like I spent 35 years with my wife, and I know her, the more time we spend with him, the more time we learn about him, this knowledge that Paul talked about, the the knowledge, to be filled with the knowledge of Christ, to know him and the power of his resurrection. I mean, Paul started off at one time in his life just knowing the, the basics about God, but throughout his life, and then the encounter he had with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, totally transformed his life, and he began the search for this knowledge. And now we, we benefit from the, uh, much of the knowledge that Paul gained be, because more than half of the New Testament was written by him. J.I. Packer, in the next slide, in his book Knowing God, said, how can we turn our knowledge of God into the knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise. The Bible is the gateway. The Bible is the gateway to knowing God. And as God reveals himself to us through the pages of Scripture, we will begin to see just how amazing he is. Then we will gain a more intimate understanding of him and love towards him. This truth is, uh, is really beautifully described. I was reading a blog uh, by a gentleman named Ronnie McBrayer, and I'm going to paraphrase this story uh, because it was very, pretty long. Um, but he said, the Swiss theologian, this would be the next slide, the Swiss theologian Karl Barth was one of the greatest Christian thinkers and authors of the 20th century. Late in his career, Barth visited the United States and he lectured at the University of Chicago. The often repeated story is that he was asked a a last question before leaving the podium. The question, what is the most important insight to God you have ever discovered? The aged Barth paused only for a moment, smiled and answered, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Isn't that awesome? Here's a man that spent his whole life just absorbing the Word of God and studying the Word of God. He, he wrote a book. Something, I can't even pronounce the name, <laughs> but it's a theological book that is six million words long. That's a lot of words. He spent his life studying scripture. And at the end, towards the end of his life, he said, This is the greatest truth that I have gleaned from the, from the Word of God is that Jesus loves me. This I know, before the Bible tells me so. How could a simple tr- that simple truth resonate so clearly and deeply in the heart of a world-renowned theologian? Simply put, he went from knowing about God and the love of Jesus to knowing the love of Jesus personally for himself. I've heard it said that the longest journey you will encounter as a Christian is 18 inches. That's the distance from your head to your heart. And every truth that you learn from the Word of God must make that journey in order for it to become real and affect your life. This is, it's, it seems like such a little, a little time or a little distance to go. But this is how we do it. As I said, we take what we're learning, we take what we're reading. This is why meditation is so important in the Word of God. And Pastor Jeff taught on this not too long ago about meditation, and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's like the image of a cow chewing its cud. And it's out there in the field, and it's just, <clears throat> and he swallows it. But then it doesn't stay there, it comes back up, which is pretty gross. But he, he chews on it again and again and again and swallows it again. Why? Because he's trying to digest, trying to get every bit of nutrient out of that food that he possibly can. And this is how we do And this is the picture of meditation. We take a scripture, we take a truth from the word of God, as, um, as um, J.I. Packer said, and we, it goes into our minds. And then we, we meditate on it. Sometimes we just read, read something and, oh, that's a, that's a beautiful scripture, Thank you Lord for that scripture. And we don't think about it again for weeks, months, and then until we need something and it's like, "Oh, what was that scripture? I don't know what that scripture was." And you want to go back to it. But we put it in our minds and then we think about it. And we think about it again. Memorize it. Memorization of the word of God is life-changing. Because once you memorize it, it's it goes from here, it stays in here, and then as the Holy Spirit can draw upon it and can bring it back to your remembrance and then you can chew on it some more and chew on it some more and there comes a time when, when I don't know about you but there's been times in my life when I've read a scripture maybe a thousand times and here I am, you know, so many years old, we'll go there, and, but I've been saved 40 years and there's scriptures I read in my early Christian life that I'll read now and I'm like, wow, wow, I never saw that before. That's because the Word of God is not is it. You can't exhaust right. the truth from the Word of God. It is it is ever new. I mean, different facets and different ways and angles that the Lord wants us to to apply the Word of God to our lives, to our lives. But it's taking it from here, and it's getting it down deep into your heart. Because any unlike any other words that you read, the Word of God has power in itself to elicit change and transform us as we continue to think about it, to continue to meditate on it. In Isaiah 55, it says, so is the word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose purpose for which I sent it. As we read the word of God, we got to realize that this has come from the mouth of God and it will accomplish in your life what God sent it to do, but only as we give it a, our attention to it and we give our, our thought to it and we give uh, our lives to his word to understand it and obey it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts in the attitudes of our heart. The Word of God is alive. It's alive. Did you ever think about that? When you read the Bible, every time you sit down and read the Bible, you're reading something that's living. It's not just dead words on a page. It's alive. And as we read it and as we take it in and as we meditate on it, that life goes into our spirits, that life, and will eventually come out through our soul, through our mind, through our emotions, and it will change us. That's why it can transform us because it's not just dead words on a page. It's living. And that life God is imparting to us the more that we spend getting to know him, getting to the knowledge of the word into our lives. God's word isn't just a book. Amen? It is spirit and it is life. And as we make it a priority in our, in our lives, we will grow stronger in the knowledge of our Father. And consequently, love him more deeply. You know, and, and, and as I think of all of this as well, I also feel that, that loving God in this way, this, this is a pathway to everything Pastor Jeff has been talking about as well, fearing God, having honor and respect. You, When you honor and reverence and respect somebody, you love them, right? I mean, I, the people in my life that I love, I give honor and respect and reverence to. I think so. I, I can see a, a direct correlation between this: the knowledge of God. The more we know about God, the more that we put into in, our hearts what His Word says. The more that He transforms us, it's going to create this this reverence and this awe for Him, and also a love for Him, so that we can we can joyfully obey. And love him with all our hearts and all our mind and all our soul and strength. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we really want to know God this way? Do we? Do we want all that he has for us or are we satisfied where we are? Because you know we can stay right where we are. This is all on us. Getting the knowledge of God and understanding him and and taking that time, that discipline, the practicing of the fundamentals every day in his word, every day communing with him in prayer, praise and worship. This This is on us. And as the more that we are disciplined in this way, the more that we do these things, we will come to know him. But it's up to us. So ask yourself that question this morning. Do I want this? Do I want to be as close to God as I possibly can? Because some people will, will get there, and sadly, many won't, because they won't pay the price. They won't choose the way God wants it to be done. And that's the thing. We think we have our way to get to God, but what does the Bible say about that? There's a way that seems right to us, but what is its end? It's death. There's only one way to God and it's his way, the way he said it and the way that he has ordained it to happen. So, God wants to know, know want us to know him deeply and intimately. He wants us to experience his amazing love towards us and create within us a desire that will move us towards true communion with him. It's a matter of desire. We have to have that desire. So, let's talk about desire towards God, desire towards God. I, I also put in parentheses the, the word motivation because what motivates you, <laughs> you know, to, to desire something? You, you, you kind of have to be motivated toward that. What, what motivated me to pursue my wife? Besides, you know, she was really good-looking and <laughs> that was the first thing <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> and, um. What motivates? I mean, we all have our reasons for doing everything that we do. We have to have motivation to do. have to have motivation to get up in the morning and go to work. What's your motivation? I, I want to eat. <laughs> I, wanna, I need to get paid. I mean, we, we have to have motivation. And, and it, this motivation, which is, creates a desire in us, is, this plays a big part in understanding and knowing God intimately. Oddly enough, Right? As we allow God's word to transform our minds, he will gradually shape our desires and motivate us towards him and away from the things that keep us from truly knowing him. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We're being transformed. This is part of the whole thing. The transformation is the key. And in uh, the next slide, I I came I found came across this definition of motivation um, that I thought was good. I mean it wasn't Webster's or anything, but it checks out if you if you read into it. Motivation is the force that causes us to act on our desires or fears. It comes from internal or external stimuli and is an outward driving force that makes people feel compelled to do something. So what's your motivation? You know, think about that. It, that motivation, is, it's, like, it's a force that drives you to do the things that you do. And as I thought about this and this definition, I thought about years ago, in my uh, mid-30s, just a few years ago, I, uh, <laughs> the Lord was really stirring in my heart uh, about going to Bible school. And I prayed about it, and and there, and there I kept coming back to this one school over and over again, and the God God began to drop this desire in my heart to go to school. I wanted to know more about Him. I wanted to learn about Him. I, I felt this call in my life, but I didn't know, you know, how to train, how to, to you know to get it, uh, bring it to fruition in my life. And so God began to deal with me about going to Bible school, and that desire began to increase and increase and increase and increase and, and finally to the point where that, that force, the desire that he put, compelled me to take the steps to go. I mean, to make the plan, we moved, We moved at that time our children were, what, 3 and 18 months? We had Kelly and Michelle. And uh, to pick up, as they say, load up the truck and move to Beverly. But it It was close, it was Oklahoma, (laughs) where the the hillbillies lived. But we, I'm sorry if you're from Oklahoma, I apologize. There's a lot more people than, you know. Okay, I'm not going there. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be in a meeting talking about this, right? <laughs> but hey, you know God loves all of us, no matter no matter what our background is. Even <laughs> so, but God compelled me, and and we saved up the money, and God provided the money. I mean, I had God gave us the faith to believe Him for all the finances that we needed, the truck, and the, I got a job before I went down there, and just talking to someone on the phone, I. He provided the apartment and all of our tuition money. Everything was paid for. But God put that desire in us and, and, that, and we were motivated. That was a force. I, it, I could sense it. It was like a force of faith that came and it compelled us to go. And So we went down to Oklahoma and, and, and went to school for two years. And then, then the Lord compelled us and motivated us to come back here, which we did. And... Uh, you know, it was a few years later. You know, I was put on staff, and we were work, working here with Pastor Jeff, and just building the kingdom here in Rome, New York. And uh, so we were. Comp- I was compelled to do that. Now, the Apostle Paul also speaks of this in Second Corinthians, chapter five. You got you are Johnny on the spot up there with those slides. I love it. For Christ's love compels us. Here's his. Here's his, Paul's compulsion. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is my life scripture right here. This is I, I go back to this all the time, but it's connected to a, comp, a compulsion, a, a desire that God put in him, that it was the love of Christ. To so Paul, you know what Paul went through? I mean, he talks about it, shipwrecks and stonings and imprisonments and beatings and hunger and lack and all these things. What made him keep going (laughs) through all of that? It was this motivation. It was this compulsion. It was the desire that God put in him that drove him on in the face of anything that came his way. And he was faithful to the call. Then in John chapter 10 Jesus speaks of these contrasting motivations, just two types of shepherds. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hiring flees because he is a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. What are the two motivations here? what the good shepherd what's his motivation he loves the sheep he loves them he cares for them they're his it says that they are his he owns them so they're his sheep but somebody that he hires what was his, what's his motivation money because if he's hired he's getting paid right and so all he wor- all he cares about is the money and when the when the wolf comes the, the sheep scatter and the hireling is like well Sorry about that, but uh, can I have my paycheck, you know? You know, he didn't care. So there's two different motivations here. And, and everything in our life is, is really, why did you come to church this morning? What was your motivation? I mean, everything we do, if you think about it, has to do, because we have to. Because <laughs> I'm the pastor, right? <laughs> That's why. Uh, uh. Now, speaking of motivation, and I thought of this, and I was looking for this funny video, but I couldn't find it. Um, or it was probably something stupid that wouldn't be good here. <laughs> so, but many of, many of you don't know this about me, but in the past, I used to do acting in high school and local theater groups and be in musicals, singing and dance. matter of fact, Pastor and Deb and, and uh, uh, Miss Lynn, remember... remember <laughs> <laughs> the show I was in <laughs> uh, years ago, we were in, uh, in, in Annie, in the show. Annie, my little girls I wanted my little girls to get involved in a show because they were little, and I had done it. So um, I brought them to the audition, and the, the director, who I knew personally, said, you know, you're trying out too, right? I'm like, no. And he said, well, you should. So I tried out and got in the show, and, and I don't know if you know the show, I played a rooster, <laughs> of all things. Well, he was a bad guy, but I still remember out on the stage the first time Miss Lynn saw me on the stage. I heard this, this laugh come out of the, out of the crowd. Everybody's quiet I heard <laughs> and then I knew it was Miss Lynn. <laughs> but uh, she calmed down after that. But anyway, but but in acting, uh, exploring and developing a character that you you portray is an important part of making your performance engaging and believable. Part of this process is asking yourself the question, what's my motivation? For doing this or saying that, it's getting into the head of your character and conveying that emotion and personality that you believe the character is experiencing at any given situation or scene. And then the thought came to me, sometimes I think as Christians, we try to play the part without understanding who we're supposed to be. This is where the knowledge of the Word of God comes in. And when we do this, when we just play the part, it's like we're reading the script without truly exploring the motivation behind the role that God wants us to live out. What is our motivation? So as Christians, what's our motivation? The motivation for us is transformation. Our motivation is transformation. It all starts with salvation. God, didn't God put a desire in your heart to respond to the call to become, to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Wasn't that a, weren't you motivated to do that? Wasn't that a desire in your heart when somebody said, "If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand or come forward"? Or maybe you were, watched somebody on TV and he said. I asked Jesus into your heart, and you're like, there was something in you. It was like, yes, I need that, God. And we either fell on our knees or we lifted our hands, we closed our eyes, and we prayed that prayer because God put the desire, drew you to him. As Jesus said, no man comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. God drew you, and he put a desire in your heart. Man, that's that just gave me... Gave me goosebumps to think that God loved you so much that he reached out in the middle of what you were in and he drew you to him. And then he gave you a desire. Because we're we're not saved by wor- we, We're not saved by works. It's nothing that we conjured up. God put it in us and we, re- we just simply responded to what God put into our hearts. That's our motivation. It starts at salvation. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter four. Says, but this is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, and the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. So, using the actor analogy, here we see two characters. Right? There's the old self and there's the new self. Now, the old self just wants to be the star of the show. You know, he wants to be center stage. He wants to have the spotlight on him. That, that's your, the old self. That's one character. But then the new self needs to take the lead role. He's, he's back here and he says, No, 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 wait, wait. You're not supposed to be there anymore. <laughs> the new self is back here and he's like, I want to be center stage. God wants this to be center stage, this new life. So as we grow in the knowledge of the word, we find out in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So if the old has passed away, that old self, We have to allow this new creation, and and as we grow in the knowledge of God, uh, we're going to find out that we're no longer what we used to be, and that God wants this new person, this new self to come forth, to come out, and to to be, to take center stage. So, you know, we played the old self role (laughs) for a lot of years, I think some of us were pretty good at it, you know? We got real good at sinning and ignoring God and doing what we wanted to do. But now we need to, in in a theatrical way, I don't know if you've looked at vaudeville at all, but they used to, when there was somebody on the stage and they really stunk, you'd see this big long hook come out from backstage and they'd yank the person off the stage with this big long hook. We need to give our old self the hook, right? (laughs) Right? Get him off the stage. He doesn't belong there anymore because we are new creations. Everything that God has put on us is new. And it says that all of this is from God. He's created us. We need that as we give that person the hook so that that new self can take center stage and shine in the light of God's glory and grace. This competition is a competition, and it's something that we're going to have to deal with, unfortunately, for our lives. As long as we have this flesh, we're going to have to deal with this competition, this old self wanting to take center stage, new self trying to get, trying to get in there and, and, and take it over. This is the spiritual battle that we fight, and we will fight it for our lives. But the more we renew our minds with the Word of God, the more we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, the more that we, we believe his word over our circumstances and things that are happening in our lives, we, we will make that old man, that old man will become weaker and weaker and weaker. And as we starve the old man and we feed the new man, it's like a stray, it's like a stray cat, you know? A stray cat comes around your back door and he's out there, oh, look at the kitty out there, he's so, he's so cute. Okay, bye, kitty. And we just ignore it. And then little by little, that cat keeps showing up. And then what happens? You, oh, maybe we should feed him. We'll give him a little food. So you can give him a little more food. And then then he hangs around more. And oh, look, he's so cute. And little by little, that cat, he's getting fatter. And then you think, well, he looks cold. Maybe we should let him in. So you let him in. (laughs) And the next thing you know, you've got a 40 pound cat sitting on your chest, and he won't, (laughs) and he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. That, that cat, straight cat, is like our old self. It wants to be fed. It wants to, be, to come in. It wants to be comfortable. It wants to be warm. But we got to starve it. we got to starve the cat. If it's already there, don't feed him anymore. Stop feeding him. And he will eventually grow weaker, weaker, and weaker. And start feeding your spirit with the word of God and renewing in the word of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank God for that. Hallelujah! The knowledge of God, who we are in Christ, will produce in us an ever-increasing desire to enter into this new life. The more we find out about what God's done for us, it's going to create this desire. Yes, I want that, Lord. I want that. All that you said in your word, the promises of God are yes and amen. I want to enter into those promises. And we will begin to grow and move towards that way and give that old man the, the hook off the stage. And it's going to strengthen us to live for him and motivate us to press on in faith, even in the most difficult circumstances like Paul. As we progress in our personal knowledge of God and steadily increase in our desire for more of him, it'll lead us to a place of true communion with him. And that's the next point, communion with God. I want to read this quote and this quote is by uh, M. Robert Mulholland. It says right there. Interestingly, when I came across this quote, I didn't really see this till afterwards. He was the former professor of New Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary. We've all heard a little bit about Asbury College uh, in, these last, in these days with all the revivals and things that have been taking place. <clears throat> he said, the Christian life in its fullness is far more, it's, it, it is this, but it's far more than being active in a Christian community, affirming a certain set of beliefs or adopting a particular behavior pattern. These are secondary result of the primary reality of a life engaged in ever-deepening union with God in love. If we're to grow in our love for God, it will take more than a part-time effort on our part. God never intended for us to seek Him casually or at our convenience, I mean sometimes we get caught up into that. you know, I did my five minute devotion this morning lord i 'm good i 'm good to go for the day um, it 's kind of a part time thing we or we, we just we, we, we play the part of Christian at church, and then when we when we go out into the world to our jobs, we play another part, we take on another role and, and we kind of kind of like chameleons adapting to our, to our environment wherever we go and based on the pressures and the motivations, the external motivations maybe, peer pressure, things like that, or the internal motivations. I don't, wanna, I don't want people to make fun of me or think I'm a Jesus freak or, or, or something like that. So, so because of this motivation, sometimes we, we make our Christianity a part-time thing, but it's a full-time thing. The Holy Spirit lives in you 24-7, 365. God is in you. How many believe God is in you? If the Holy Spirit is in you, he's there 24-7. We bring him, he goes with us wherever we go. He follows us. He doesn't follow us, he's in us. And we take him with us. But how often do we give that attention to him that he, he deserves and that he's worthy of? Think of people who are closest to you right now. How do you develop a relationship with someone that you're close with? And again, I can go back to the marriage illustration. How do you develop a, a close relationship with your spouse? What was that? Yeah. Spend time with them. You, sometimes you fight with them. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, it's everything. It's just living your life with them, and they are in your life full-time, and you think about them, and you communicate with them, and you work with them. If you have disagreements, you work those things out. You create this, but there's a love. There's a love that is developed through that relationship, and there's a communion that takes place between those people that you love. Even in here in the church, you get to, everybody has friends that are closer, brothers and sisters that are closer to them than others. Why? Because you spent time with them, you went out for coffee, you, you had them over to your house for dinner, you, you connected with them, and, you know, pastors has been talking about that, about us loving one another and being in communion with each other and, and, and getting to know each other other than just here. That's so important for us to build these relationships in, in, in the body of Christ. But the Lord even refers to his, the church as his bride, he commands husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. We grow in love for God in a similar way by continually sharing our thoughts, desires, and lives with him through prayer and private devotion to him. We spend time with God, and it's quality time. It's not just—it's not just your leftovers. It's not just when you can squeeze them into your your Google calendar. <laughs> you know, it's quality time. He's priority. He's number one. We have to make that time with Him every day. In First John, oh wait, I'm sorry, I, I missed one. Oh, this is the this is the most important one of the most important ones too. We also. Love him as we worship him and we praise him for who he is and what he's done. And we also love God, love our love for God by growing in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thought I forgot about that one, didn't you? I'm talking about building relationships with God. But do you know how vitally important your relationships with your brothers and sisters, how that plays a role in your loving of God? First John chapter 4 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. What's he lying about? I mean, he's saying he, doesn't, he really doesn't love God if he hates his brother. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And it's a commandment. Isn't that the second one? Isn't that the number two biggie? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your brother. Your neighbor is really anyone that anyone. If you look at the parable of, of the, uh, um, what is that? Uh, on the side of the, what's what's the, the name of the parable? I just lost it. Oh, senior moment. <laughs> the uh, on the way to Jericho, the good Samaritan. Thank you. I didn't write that down. So forgive me. But anyways, so loving our brothers and sisters is also a way that we grow in love for God. Do you ever think about that? If you, learning to love your brother and sister is actually contributing and helping you to love God more. Because when you love them, as Pastor Jeff has said, you're, you're, God is in them. They are valuable. They are worth everything to God. When you love them, that's you're loving God. That's part of our love for God is loving each other because he is in them and, and we and this is all you know loving we, I've heard Jesus with skin on you got to love Jesus with skin on <laughs> and that's us human beings here and we're all struggling and we're all getting through this life and we're all growing in Christ and we're all you know there's a lot of things that you're going to be rubbed the wrong way by somebody but we need to love them we need to forgive them that's that's part of the fundamentals and practice of Christianity in growing to love God by loving each other. Just as a human relationship cannot survive and flourish without continual communication and connection, our relationship with God will not grow beyond a surface level. I think sometimes we're, so many Christians are on a surface level. If we don't spend time with Him and devote our thoughts to him, and learn to love those that he loves, which is everybody. The next uh, slide, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church in uh, Oklahoma City, said, our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What you think about, that's the direction you're going who you think about. That's the direction that you're going. And the strongest thoughts in your mind are going to to draw you towards what you're thinking about. How much do we think about God? How much do we think about his word? Do we see God all around us even in the midst of, of all of the evil in the world? Do we still see God? Do we still see him? I mean, if we don't see him, we're not thinking about him. We're not meditating. We're not thinking about his word. We're not seeing that, that his, he's revealed in the glory of nature. I mean, every time I see a sunrise or a sunset or beautiful mountains and just any type of thing in, in creation, that God, the Bible says God's revealed himself to us through all of these things. And when we get bogged down in life, sometimes you, you can't even look up at the stars and say, oh, the stars. But I look at the stars and I think, wow, they're just amazing how God has set all of those stars in place and, and how by the word of his power, he holds all things together. All those things are in orbit and they're, we're moving in, in synchronicity with all the universe and God is controlling all of that. See, when, you, when you're thinking about God and you're thinking in line with his word, that's what you're going to see when you look up at night and you see the stars. You're going to think about God and the, and the majesty. You look at, at, at the majestic mountains and, and the trees and forests and, and, and the creations, the animals, and you, and you just are in awe because you know God made it all. Amen? So our, our lives are always moving in, in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So let's make a determination. We need to start thinking more about God. This will also draw us more into his presence because as we begin to look at those things, we'll begin to magnify him. We we'll begin to worship him for all of these things that he's done. And, and as we, th- the more we think about him, guess what? Those mountains that you're facing right now, you ever hear you know, somebody making a mountain out of a molehill? You ever hear that expression? Those mountains, when you know the truth, and you know that God's on the throne, and you know that he's in control of everything that's going on in your life, no matter how, to, no matter how bad it is, that mountain is going to be brought down because you're going to see the truth. Amen? You're going to see the truth. The truth that, that with God, all things are possible. <laughs> Whew, thank you, Lord. With God, all things are possible and that we can face any trial, any, any temptation and have the victory over it. Even if it doesn't go away, it's no longer in here. Because our focus, our, our, our faith and our, our sight is on God, on the one who, who can, who's taking care of all of that and the one who's sustaining us in the middle of it and the one who's healing us and the one who's delivering us from the oppression of the enemy. Amen? Let our hearts and minds be consumed with the thoughts of God and his word. There's a life that God has ordained for us to live that is far beyond anything we can imagine, a life of intimate union with Him and a life that as we cultivate it will make loving and obeying God as natural as breathing. Isn't that amazing? To know Him is to love Him, indeed. And we develop this by committing ourselves to seeking Him daily in His Word, to know Him more intimately and accurately. That's another safeguard of the Word of God is, is being trained up in His Word that we will, we will be able to discern the Word of God correctly, to allow God to motivate us and change our desires by transforming our minds through His Word, which is spirit and his life, and enter into communion with him through prayer, worship, fellowship with other believers, and serving others. I'm going to end with this scripture in Ephesians. Let this be our prayer today. Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the desires and the motivations that you put within us, Lord. Father, we desire to grow in the knowledge of you, Lord. Father, that we would know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings in our life. Lord, that we would come into this deep connection and communion with you, Lord. That we would go beyond the surface, Lord. Go beyond the surface, Lord, and go into the deep places that you have called every Christian. It's not just for those in the ministry. It's not just for those special people. But, Lord, you've called all of us to this this deep, personal, intimate relationship with, with you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, Put this desire within us, Lord, for you like, that we've never had before, Lord, and, and will continue to grow from, from this day forward, Lord, that we, would get into, that we would come to know you and desire you and commune with you in every way that we can, Lord. Every day, making you number one, fulfilling the two commandments of loving you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, and loving our brothers as ourselves. Thank you for this, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, let's just thank him right now. Let's just lift our hands up to him right where we are. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, come, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and, and fill us with this desire. Fill us, Lord, with a desire to know you, Lord. A desire to, to be personally, intimately acquainted with you, Lord, in everything that we do. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. And if you're here today, maybe you've heard this, this is kind of really the basic training of, of being a Christian. If you're here today and, and this sounds, the God, God has been dealing with your heart and has been drawing you to him through, through this message, through the things that the word of God has said, and you don't know Jesus, or maybe maybe you think you do, but now you're not so sure. I would like to Pray a prayer for for all of you today who want to come into this relationship with Jesus and begin the journey, this wonderful, awesome journey that he has for you. And if that's you today, either in in here or online, nobody looking around, I just want you to slip up your hand, raise your hand. Or if you want a deeper relationship with God, this is spoken to your heart, and you want a deeper relationship with God than you have right now, and you want to just pray a prayer of commitment to him, let's just raise, can you raise your hand today? Hallelujah. I think all of our hands should be up today, right now, for that, because we all need to be deeper with God. So let's pray this prayer together online, if you want to ask Jesus into your life. We're just going to pray this prayer, and we're going to We're going to ask him to be Lord of our lives. Father, say, Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me, to pay the price for my sins, that I could have new life, that I could be a new creation and enter into this relationship with you. So right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to take it and make it your own. Lord, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I believe Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, and you were raised again, and now you are seated with your Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, wash me clean of my sins, and lead me into this brand new life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, let's give Him praise. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer online, please, please type into the comments that you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, and we'll be praying for you. Amen. Well thank you so much. This wasn't as bad as as hard. (laughs) It was tough, but praise God. Thank you, Pastor Jeff.